0: If you would, open up your Bibles this morning to John chapter number 11. We're going to continue with our I Will Rise series this morning in John chapter number 11. And we're going to read our theme verse of Scripture starting in the 23rd verse. Jesus said unto her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And anyone who lives and believes in me... Shall never die. And then he asked her the the question that I asked you this morning. Do you believe this? And she said unto him, yes, Lord. Everybody say, yes, Lord, this morning. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into this world. And and, then Jesus asked her the question. Do you believe this? And then she answered, yes, Lord. Everybody say, yes, Lord. Lord. Do you believe this? Do you love Jesus? Do you love your spouse? I want you to get some Yes Lord practice going on because on the journey of where you're going, of rising above, you're going to have to have a lot of Yes Lords take place in your life. And so as I do a quick recap of where we've gone through to get to us where now, I want you to begin to say yes, Lord, to every area of your life. As we started this series on the I Will Rise, we began to realize that we cannot question the love that God has for us. We question the love of God in many ways, such as our actions, the way we pray, how we pray, the way we treat God, and the way we come to God. But notice what Jesus says in this verse number five. And he said, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. The love of God cannot be in question as we begin to rise above our um, circumstances, uh, conditions, questions, and critics, and then we went on to to the next verse, and we realized that God doesn't just have us involved in an instance. He has us involved in an occasion for his glory. Now, an occasion is different than an instance. An instance is something people witness, and their lives, um, they, they watched it take place, but an occasion is something that happens that God builds that people are affected by it. Now, we as the Way Bible Church, we want you to have an effect on people, not just people to watch you, amen. We want you in your job to have an effect on people. We want you in the grocery store to have a positive effect on people. I'm gonna phrase that a positive effect on people. We want you in your driving, amen. Thank you, Jesus. To have a positive effect on people, amen. We want you in whatever you do to have a positive effect on people's lives. And so as you have a positive effect on people's lives, you're gonna have to say yes, Lord, to a lot of things that can maybe rub you the wrong way. But in this whole process, God is building something out of you that will be for his glory. And as we read that verse in verse number four, it says, when Jesus got the message, the sickness, he said this, this sickness is not fatal or it will not lead to death, but it will come in okay for God's glory by glorifying his son and so we know about the occasion and then last week we began to talk about you need to go before God and begin to wake up your dvds your dreams your visions and your desires because some of you have put in a tomb God said is needed a pillow some of you have put to death your dreams visions and desires when God said they're not dead they're just sleeping a little bit when an occasion takes place And this is the definition that we gave an occasion. You have to remember this definition. An occasion is planned. An occasion is deliberate. An occasion is not casual. An occasion takes time. An occasion has a process. And with an occasion, people are affected. Now, a lot of us in this journey that we're on, we've put to death a lot of things because they took too long. we put to death a lot of things because we didn't like the process. we put to death a lot of things because we didn't think it happened in our time. And since when has it ever been our time that God has operated on? And so now that we know it's not our time, it's not our process, but it's God's process. And as we've talked before, we know the occasion he has for us or the plans he has for us, since an occasion is deliberate and planned out. We know the occasion he has for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future. And so if you're in the middle of a journey right now and you don't see the end, and in fact, you think everything about it is dead, God has said, I've got a hope and a future planned out for you. So you need to remember what God said, not what your journey's telling you. The title of this morning's message is On the Journey. Everybody you in at some point of your life are on a journey. You started someplace, you're currently at someplace, and you are headed someplace. Now I'm going to give you some tips about the journey that will make the journey a lot easier for your journey. Yes Lord. yes, Lord. So as we begin to say, yes, Lord, some of you are going to not like some of these tips to the journey. <laughs> Can I go ahead and give you that up front? Now that your minds are open to receive what God has for you, are you ready to receive? Yes. All right, so now when you're on this journey, I want you to look at verse number 16, if you have your Bible still open. Now, as we pick up in the middle of this story, this is the story of Lazarus, and where Jesus was in one area, and then he came and raised Lazarus from the dead, but there's a whole myriad of things that happen in between when you break this story down, and today as we're on the journey, the first thing you need to do on your journey is you need to find a purpose, While you're on the journey. Find a purpose while you're on the journey. Now, listen to what I said. Find a purpose while you're on the journey. Do not look for the purpose of the journey. Bear with me on this first point. Listen to what Thomas starts out saying. you got to love Thomas. So Thomas, this is after Jesus said, let's go back to Judea. We're going to raise this man from the dead. The sickness is not fatal. It will not result in death, but it will be an occasion for the glory of God. This is how Thomas responds. Listen to what he says as he begins to go on. So Thomas responded. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go with him so that we can die along with him. Did you not find that kind of ironic? Thomas is talking to Jesus and the other disciples. Hey, Jesus, we'll go along with you and we'll just die right along with you. Thomas didn't find a purpose in the journey. In fact, Thomas didn't want to go on the journey back to Judea because he knew that if he did, if you'll go back and read verse number 8, that the reason Thomas didn't want to go back is because they wanted to kill Jesus when he walked back into this place. He said, they're going to stone you if they go back. And Thomas says, great, Jesus is taking me on a journey to kill me. Some of you feel like, Jesus, I'm on a journey and it's killing me. (laughs) Can I get a yes, Lord? Uh, I mean, some of y'all are sitting there thinking, he is reading my mail. And I'm not going to say, yes, Lord, I see it on your face. (laughs) And so when you're on this journey and you're going from point A to point B to point C and you thought it ended at point D, but God's got E, F, G, H, and I out here waiting on you. You must find a purpose in the journey. Thomas found no purpose in the journey. If you do not find a purpose in the journey, you'll never accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. Now listen to what I'm saying. Find a purpose in the journey because if you start looking for the purpose of the journey in the middle of the journey, you're going to start assigning and attributing things to God that God never intended. Many people look for the purpose of the journey while you're in the midst of the journey. And in fact, I don't even see clearly the journey I've been on until I start looking about 10 years back, and now I can see clearly because I have came through that part of my journey. Some of you are sitting here, and you're in financial distress in your life. And you're in the middle of financial distress, and you're sitting here saying, oh, I am in financial distress. God's purpose for this part of my journey is to make me learn something about finances, Praise God that I'm in financial trouble. That is the craziest prayer I've ever heard in my life. Number one, the Bible says that God teaches by his Holy Spirit, not by putting you through tests and trials. The Bible, in fact, never says God teaches you by tests and trials. That is something we in the Western culture have attributed to God as a learning mechanism. That God never intended you to learn that way. You know God will tell you everything you need to know if you'll sit down and talk to him. And in fact, you'll miss out on a lot of the trials you're going through if you sit down and talk to him. But because we never sit down and talk to him, we end up going through a trial. And then we're in in the midst of a trial, we say, oh, this must be God's perfect will for me to learn this. See, now you're attributing things to God that God said you should never attribute that to me. Because I said you learn by listening to the Holy Spirit. You learn by listening to my voice. Jesus said it. You know the shepherd's voice and the voice of a stranger you do not follow. Jesus said, talking about the Holy Spirit, I will send the comforter to you, and he will teach you, lead you, and guide you, and instruct you in all things to come. That's how God teaches. It's through his Holy Spirit. But some of us, in the midst of the journey, we encounter a trial. We encounter an issue. And when we're in the midst of the issue, we learn something. Praise God you learned something. But we attribute that learning problem to God when God never said it was his. Now listen, you learned something because you actually went to the Scripture, and then you started listening to the voice of God. You learned something how to get out of it. But many of you, it was never God's will for you to be in the midst of this trial or the struggle that you're in, and we attribute that to God. Now Jesus did say this, in this life, Joel, you will have trials. Why are you going to have trials? Because we still live in fallen, broken, sin nature, Until Jesus comes back and takes us all home. Amen. And I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to the day when we all wake up. And it's not, oh, good Lord, it's morning. It's good morning, Lord. Amen. Now, in the midst of your journey, you've got to begin to find a purpose in your journey. If you're struggling in some area of your life right now, the journey that you're in, in the trial or the whatever circumstance you're in the middle of it, begin to find a purpose. I will never forget the day my mom came home and said, I have been diagnosed with cancer. Never forget that day. I remember it very vividly. Remember exactly where I was sitting. And in fact, she didn't even come home. I was with her in the doctor's office. Me and dad were sitting there and they came out and they told her this information and We never will forget that moment. And through the tests and the trials that she was going through over the next six months of chemotherapy and radiation and all these other things she was going through, my mom began to find a purpose in the midst of the problem. She found a purpose in the midst of the journey that she was on because she knew the journey had a destination and that destination was healed, made whole, nothing missing, nothing broken, God had a plan and a future for her. This was just part of the process of an occasion God's getting her to. So in the midst of this journey, I'll never forget what my mom began to do. My mom would go to the hospital and she would carry her Bible in one hand, a book in the other hand, and she would walk in and she would just start praying for everybody in that waiting room. Because my mom knew she had a hope that these people didn't have. My mom knew she had something that these people needed. My mom knew that she had a Jesus on the inside of her, a God on the inside of her, the God of the Bible that still resided in her. And so in the midst of the process, she found a a purpose on the journey. And she said, if I'm going down this part of the road, I'm going to get as many people out of this part of the road as I can. My mom led people to the Lord right there in the waiting room. My mom gave people hope that had no hope. In fact, the nurses began to look forward to my mom coming in because she was a bright spot in the midst of a dismal dying world. Every person they walked in said, all we see all day long is walking death, but you walk in and there's difference. There's a purpose. There's a passion. There's something in your life. Find a purpose in the midst of your journey. Amen. Yes, you've got a hand clap of praise. You've got to find a purpose. Now, don't look for the purpose of what you're going through. My mom will sit here to this day and say, Joel, I still don't know why I went through that. I went through it about 13, 14 years ago. I went through it again a few years later, my mom will tell you. And she said, I still don't know the purpose of either one. The only thing I know is that Jesus said, in this life, trials will come. So she didn't try to find the purpose of what she went through. But in going through this road, she found a purpose in the gospel and presenting the gospel as she walked forward. I don't know what the state of your kids are. I don't know if they're living for the Lord or I don't know if they're running from the Lord. But in the midst of your kids living for the Lord or running from the Lord, find a purpose because there's people all around you who need to touch with the gospel. See, did you ever think in your life that you would be the minister in a lost and dying world? Most believers say, no, that's why I come to church, to listen to the minister in a lost and dying world. See, the time and the day is changing when the church is actually becoming the church and on your journey, you're gonna find a purpose in the midst of the problem. Don't consume yourself with trying to figure out why it's happening. Consume yourself with figuring out a purpose in the midst of the happening. I'll never forget when Damon was down with pneumonia in the hospital. And Damon I went up to pray with him, and he, I said, man, how are you doing? He had a smile on his face. Good, he said, I'm praying for every nurse that walks in this room. If I get put in the hospital, believe me, there's gonna be ministry going on in the hospital. And I hear countless stories like that that take place throughout this church that we need to begin to find a purpose in the midst of your miserable job. Find a purpose in the miserableness. Because when you begin to find a purpose, it'll get you out of misery real quick. It'll get you something to live for in the midst of a problem, in the midst of a life. When you are on the journey of where you're going, where you're getting to, God making an occasion out of you. Your purpose is gonna mean everything. This doesn't have to be a, oh, thus saith the Lord. This is where the Bible says, and they went around doing good. That's all the purpose is. It's finding and doing good to those who are in your life. So find a purpose this morning. When you're on the journey, don't consume yourself with looking for the complete overall picture. Because listen, we view this life from a finite state. God views our life, from an infinite state. If we begin to try to put an infinite God in our finite little box, we'll never figure out the purpose. We must begin to trust the infinite God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, and Joel. Amen. Add those two in there. See, instead of Joel, you should put your name right in there. When we begin to trust the God that has a purpose for us in the midst of our trial. We'll begin to get through our trial a whole lot better. We'll begin to see changes take place. So on the midst of your journey, when you begin to find a purpose, you're proving the point that God is making an occasion out of you. Because listen to the definition occasion. It's planned, it's deliberate, it takes time, it has a process. Most important one, people are affected. In the middle of your trial, how many people can you positively affect for the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many people can you positively affect as you go down the road. Point number two this morning is in the midst of the journey that you're on, your bad attitude and your misery doesn't make the end result come any quicker. Listen to this scripture. Mary and Martha, we have the control freak Martha and we have the emotional basket case. Mary, get those two messages out there. They're great. Listen to their response. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, 11 verses later in verse number 32 Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. One was a control freak. One was the emotional basket case. They were both dwelling in their misery because they both, word for word, had the exact same response to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, comma, my brother would not have died. They had the exact same response. So in the midst of your journey... Your bad attitude and your misery does not make the end result come quicker. I'm not going to go so far as to say it prolongs it, but it can, because you can be failing opportunities that God wants to promote you out of a situation. But even if it doesn't make it come any quicker or it doesn't prolong it, we're just going to say for the sake of it, it's not going to speed it up and it's not going to slow it down. In the midst of your misery, it doesn't make it easier on you. Bless my wife's heart, it doesn't make it easier on her. Bless my kid's heart, it doesn't make it easier on them. And I'm glad we don't have an animal because it'd probably be getting kicked three or four times a week. I know what goes on in y'all's houses. You don't think I do? You want to know how I know? You put it all over Facebook. You put it on Twitter. You put it on Instagram. You do. I don't have to be a genius. Some of y'all think I'm this great hearer from God. No, all I do is read what you put on Facebook. I know what goes on in your household because of your posts. Your misery does not get you out of the trial faster. In fact, your misery only makes it seem like it's taking forever to get out of it. And if in the midst of your misery, you will not find a purpose, you're going to make your whole life miserable. I know that people dwell in their misery because I hear you say it. I've seen it. I've seen you say it on Facebook. I've heard you say it. But most of all, 90% of communication is done through body language. See, some of y'all came in here this morning wanting everybody to think you're on the mountaintop, but you're saying, I love Jesus. I just love him. Somebody knows my misery. I love him. He's just so great. Really? You sure seem excited. If you're really happy, somebody tell your face. (laughs) I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly. Some of you say you're the happiest people and you love Jesus so much and all the good stuff God's done for you. Really? Really? Well, then, when are you going to put your shoulders back, hold your chin up, put a smile on your face, and act like there's a God in heaven who loves you? Amen. When are you going to walk out of these six to eight doors, however you want to leave, out of the drives you want to go out, and let the world see that you are shining brighter, shining farther in the midst of your circumstances, conditions, questions, and critics, and you're going to rise above the misery, the pain, the agony, the bad attitude, the suffering that you're going through. Put a smile on your face because you know that in the sweet by and by and in the long term that the God of heaven is at your side and he's walking with you through this trial. Your misery does not make it easier. Your misery does not make it funner. In fact, your misery, the only thing it does is make you miserable to everybody around you. And if you'll notice, if you walk in misery long enough, people start avoiding you. If you walk in misery and pity party long enough, people start saying, oh, bless you, I'm praying for you. (laughs) They don't really want to stop and chit-chat anymore. They want to just pat you on the head as they walk on by and say, I got somewhere to go. I got people to see, talk to, whatever. People think, and I told you through this series, I'm going to get real real with you about some things in my life. People think that because me and Sherry, pastor at church, we don't have issues and misery and trial and struggles and problems. They, some reason, think we're immune to these things. We're not immune to these things. I've told you the first three months of this year were the most chaotic months of my life. I mean, it's been absolutely crazy. I mean, from everything from kidney stones to chicken pox. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all love me. And you know our family well enough that it's just the T-Myers. And you know how crazy it's been in the midst of the misery because there were some Sunday mornings we could laugh about it because we didn't know what else we could do. But we knew that being miserable would not get us through these things. We knew that being miserable didn't benefit the church. We knew that if I came up here with a miserable, pathetic-looking attitude and countenance that the church would say, wow, he's really shining brighter and shining farther through the trials. No, so we didn't. Misery, we didn't allow it in our house. The bad attitudes, we kept them in check. Oh, we had vent sessions where we'd sit down at the kitchen table and we would talk about things and how frustrated we would get with things and the bills kept piling up and the car kept breaking down and and everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. Some of y'all are thinking, wow, they're blessed they got a new car. No, we weren't blessed to get a new car. We were mad because our old car broke down. (laughs) And we kept having to make a car payment that we didn't have to make a car payment on. So we had to get a new one. And so we weren't happy about it. We had to spend a bunch of our savings on it. But in the midst of the misery that was going on, we weren't going to sit around and be miserable. Just because you have a microphone doesn't make you immune to issues. But how you handle the issues may give you a platform to have a microphone once in a while. How you handle the issue, God may put you in a place to actually tell your testimony to somebody how you walked through the trial, the circumstance, the condition, the critics, and the questions and got you to a place. To spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in the midst of this journey, you need to find a purpose in the midst of this journey. You don't need to make miserable and a bad attitude become part of the everyday. You can have a bad day, but don't let everyday be bad. Some of y'all need to write that down and say, that's good. On this journey, you need to stop and look around and see who's with you. Here's my point on this last one. Let's read this verse of scripture. And it's in verse number 41. And it says, so they took away the stone And Jesus lifted up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you. You notice in the midst of this journey, Jesus never lost his composure. He said, Father, I thank you. You know, as we walk in the image of Christ and we're led by Christ and we're followers of Christ and we should be disciples of Christ, that literally means to be having the actions of Christ. In the midst of this journey, the first thing Jesus says, Father, I thank you. And this is why I thank you. Number one, that you heard me. And then he goes on to clarify, I know, God, that you always hear me. But I say this on the account of all the other people standing around that they may believe you sent me. On your journey, you need to stop for a minute. And in the midst of everything you're doing, in the midst of all the people around you, you need to stop and look who's around you because this part of the journey may not even be about you. It may be about God positioning you to minister to everybody around you. This part of the journey that you're on, even though you didn't like it, even though it may not have been God's perfect will for your life to be in it, you need to stop wherever you're at and begin to look around your workforce. Begin to look around the grocery store. Begin to look around the next time your water heater goes out and find the repairman that God brought to your house and find out what the need of that repairman is because the biggest issue may not be your water heater going out. It may be that this repairman needs Jesus Christ, but we're so busy concerned about our problem, we never found a purpose. And this man still doesn't know Jesus, but hey, our water heater's fixed. Do we see what we're missing? Look who's around you. I'll never forget, beginning of this past year, when my wife had kidney stones and we had to keep going back to the doctor and back to the doctor and back to the doctor again, the ER, and then calling the doctor and things like that. I'll never forget that my wife's reaction was so much better than mine. Because in the midst of all the stuff going on, she began to stop and look around. And I was saying, God, I'm too busy preparing for the Kingdom Man Conference I'm too busy trying to take care of my wife who's sick, my kids who aren't doing the best at times. God, I'm too busy for all this stuff. And my wife stops and she takes notice and look who's around. The doctors she was seeing at the time for all the stuff that was going on with her kidney stones, she didn't just begin to say, hey, this is what's going on. She said, hey, we're going to buy you a ticket to this Kingdom Man conference that's going on. I'm like, honey, you know how much money this is costing just you having the stone? (laughs) And she says, we're going to buy this doctor a ticket. And so she begins to notice who's around her. I'll never forget her countenance with the secretaries of the doctor's office and then the assistants of the doctor's office and then the doctors that she would see. She would begin to tell them all about the great things God was doing at the church, all about the great things God was doing with the Kingdom Man Conference. And then because all the doctors were men, she would say, do you want to go? See, the purpose, I'm not saying God ordained her to have a kidney stone so she could witness to the urologist, but I am saying in the midst of the trial and the persecution and the struggles we were going through, we're not going to miss an opportunity to spread the love of Jesus Christ. And then she goes far enough to say, and Joel, you're going to email him. (laughs) The point in that is this. She didn't just tell this doctor we were going to buy him a ticket, and she brought him the ticket. She made me stop and pick up my head and say, begin to look who's around. Begin to focus If you really want to be a kingdom man, won't you start expanding the kingdom instead of just putting on a conference? Won't you just begin to do what you're trying to tell a bunch of other men to do and be an example for them to live by? Now, she didn't tell me all this face-to-face. This is what God is telling me through her actions. And she's never heard any of this part of the story before. She's never heard any of this, what I'm telling you today, until right now. On your journey, you need to find a purpose. In the midst of finding a purpose, you need to avoid misery and bad habits and bad attitudes and bad days. Yeah, you're going to have times and moments, but don't let every moment become a lifetime. But in the midst of it all, if you could stop right now and take a picture of your life and on a daily basis see who is in your life, as you look up and look around your workplace tomorrow, who's in your life? As customers come in your store for the retail business you're in, who's coming in your door? Not what product are they trying to buy. As you're in the midst of raising funds for something, I know we got Relay for Life teams going on here. I know Jerry and Ginger are raising funds. I know Brittany and Jeff are raising funds to go on missions around the world. As you're raising funds, who is God bringing into your life? Because the purpose of you raising funds may get you to the occasion that you're supposed to be at, but you may miss the miracle all the way along that God's causing you to be a part of. I realized this very clearly in my life at the beginning of this year, that my divine purpose for being on this earth wasn't just to start a church and grow a church, but God says, hey, in the midst of growing a church, why don't you figure out how you can affect a whole region of people by just looking around? Because in the midst of growing the church, we ask Joel, it's what I've called you to do, it's the occasion in your life, it's what you want to do, it's the ultimate thing. And people say all the time, are you surprised at how big the church is? No, we're not nowhere near to where God's called us to be as the Way Bible Church. So no, I'm not surprised, but in the midst of not being surprised, God's saying, don't just try to grow a church. Let me use you to affect a whole region. Not everybody in the region will come to your church, but Look at the effect you can have on a whole region. And as God began to grow this series on the inside of me, I began to stop and humble myself and say, God, I have not been near as effective as I could have been the past 10 years of my life. Because the past 10 years of my life have been about growing a church, not affecting the world that you've called me to affect. I'm going to close with this statement. I'll never forget about six years ago I was in Vienna, Austria, and I ran into this lady. She was an American missionary over there. And she's one of those ladies who kind of rubs me the wrong way. (laughs) Uh, I'll just be honest with you. At first, and she came up to me, looked me square in the eye, and she said, "Joel, you have not even begun to do what you're called to do with your life." And me being very immature, very not spiritually growth where I should be at the time, I just smiled and nodded and said, "Okay, thank you." And I was so mad at her because I took it as, "Joel, you're not doing what you're called to do in pastoring a church." She was saying what God has now showed me this past year: of you're here to affect a region, not just grow a church. And as I began to let that word sit in me over the next six years, over, after about three weeks, I got rid of the blah because I realized I was wrong there. But I just began to really meditate on what she said. And as the past years have gone by, I've seen how that statement has come to pass. And you know what? We're still in the very beginnings of what God's called us to do at TWBC. If we're going to shine brighter at home, it's so we can shine farther abroad. We've got a lot more brightness to light up here so we can get a lot more brightness way out there. This morning on your journey, You're on a journey this morning. 90% of us need to find a purpose because 90% of you, you're miserable and you're doing really good at just barely getting by. You're miserable with some part of your life. You're either miserable with your Christianity life and there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's been times when I've been born again that I've been miserable and it took me getting alone with God and finding a purpose in the midst of the issue that I was in to get me through to where God's called me to be. If you're miserable in that part of your life, good, let's find you a purpose this morning. If you're miserable in your marriage, let's find you a purpose this morning. If you're miserable with your kids, let's find you a purpose this morning. If you're miserable in your workplace, let's find you a purpose this morning because 90% of the Christian world will put on a good face and smile and nod, but you're miserable with some part of your life. If you want to get out of the misery, let's find a purpose. And on the midst of finding a purpose, let's stop and let's look who's around Because when you find a purpose, it's going to affect more than just you. It's going to affect the people of your life. Let's get out of misery. Let's find a purpose. And let's see who we can affect with the gospel of Jesus Christ.